0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in for Bearcat Rewind, episode number 44 of the podcast. Today we talk with Northwest Missouri State Deputy Athletic Director Lori Hopkins. If you know Lori, you know she wears many hats. The head of compliance at Northwest, the senior woman administrator, and this spring became the head of the MIAA's COVID-19 Task Force. And she will chair the National Committee for NCAA Division II Women's Basketball. So what she does at Northwest is major to make sure all the teams and student-athletes are good to go compliance-wise. now stepping in to head the D2 Women's Basketball National Committee is huge, a great sign of respect to be nominated for that role. And, of course, COVID has resulted in daily changes, so a lot of responsibility that comes with that task force. We'll go deep into the basketball committee and that task force, but also her background coaching and coming to Northwest Missouri State. Bearcat Rewind is brought to you by the Northwest Foundation, providing support for the Northwest Alumni Association and the university's funding needs since 1971. More information available on Facebook or online at nwmissouri.edu slash alumni. And Clorinda Regional Health Center, offering support to Southwest Iowa and Northwest Missouri each day during times of uncertainty through emergency services and a local team of providers and nurses. More information at com. Today, we talk with Lori Hopkins about working alongside Gene Steinmeier and how he brought her to Northwest, her growing leadership role at Northwest Missouri State and beyond, and a few new things you would have never guessed about Lori. For instance, an avid wee bowler. We have it all coming up. Let's dive into this week's Bearcat Rewind. Lori Hopkins joining us here on the podcast today, the Deputy Athletic Director for Northwest Missouri State University, also in charge of compliance with the Northwest Athletic Department. Lori, appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us. and. We kind of knew it would be a big year going into the 2020 twenty twenty one academic year, um, and there's a lot of things going on for you as well, but probably didn't expect this this would all start back in the spring with the covid nineteen task force now that you 're chairing, but that 's kind of where we're at right now uh, what 's this summer been like for you from you know seeing uh, the tournaments and, and the championships from the spring and the winter wiped out to now where we 're at right now
1: you know matt that's uh, well first of all, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, I was just thinking of that the other day. Um, I was talking with – I've been part of some basketball um, phone calls lately, and and one of the things that we said is just think back to uh, March when we were – I was standing in the gym at Central Missouri because I was the site rep, the NCAA site rep for that region. Standing in the gym watching, and actually Central Missouri was practicing at the time and watching them practice and getting that phone call that said, hey, we need to shut practices down. We're canceling the championship and and just just thinking back to that moment and where we're at today, it's just it's it's crazy how much has happened in that time and and where we're at now and the decisions that are being made and um yeah I always look back to that day because it was like you know in that day we thought that was the worst thing that was gonna happen and and not saying that the things that have been happening are bad, but just Um, Just having to deal with with everything from that point on. So, yeah, it's been a whirlwind, that's for sure.
0: You know, you've been a part of basketball teams and basketball for such a long time. You see seniors go out, and, and from the great years to where they go out on top, winning a conference championship, some difficult years, ending that career is always difficult. But whenever you see something like that, UCM, such a great team practicing, and maybe maybe the best player on the conference last year, Morgan Fleming, out there getting the call that her season's ending without having a chance to win the championship, that's kind of more heart-wrenching than any loss you could ever suffer, isn't it?
1: Correct, yes. And I think what was so hard for that that situation, too, is it. That when Central Missouri won the national championship that year, they were not the host for the region. They uh, they ended up being the second seed in that region to to coach Lifer Chagrin, and uh, had to go up to Sioux Falls and play in their region up there, and then turn around and go back to Sioux Falls to win the championship. So it was kind of um, it was really heartbreaking to see that those girls had finally got the opportunity to host this region. They were so excited. Their community was excited. Just like we are here at Northwest and with our with men's basketball last year, and then just to see that you know that they knew that this was their chance to play in front of their home crowd, and they had a great opportunity to make the Elite Eight again, and and um, to see that those dreams just crushed to those girls was just really hard for basketball in general. Correct.
0: So the COVID nineteen task force put together by the MIAA, you're named the chairperson of that task force. How do you go about navigating through something like this that really we haven't experienced a pandemic like this in a century? How does the MIAA and yourself kind of sit back and say, all right, what's the first step we need to do to make sure that this is safe and that we can get athletes back out on the field, on the court, wherever they're going to play?
1: Correct. You know, I will commend our conference office. They did an awesome job when all this first happened. And and Commissioner Racy um, put together this task force, not knowing what it was going to consist of, how it was going to look, what we were going to do, but just kind of flying by the seat of our pants to start out. And and what we did that those, those initial couple weeks were just focused on okay, how what is it going to look like now that they have canceled spring sports? Um, what is what are the things the decisions that need to be made for the conference from the members to um, to get through the end of the year? Just um, you know things like what are what are stats going to look like for those spring sports? What are um, championships going to look like? Um, how are we? You know, what are we doing there? Um, how how do we handle all these um, umpires and officials who now are not? You know, we don't need their service any longer. Um, just you know, things to get through the end of of the school year of the nineteen twenty year. And then as as that kind of progressed, it's kind of been then we get into we got into June and it was let's refocus. Okay, so now what is it going to look like when our member institutions decide they want to come back and, and do summer workouts? Um, what guidelines does the NCA put out that the MIAA has to take into consideration? What things do we feel like as a conference would be better for our schools? Uh, maybe not necessarily, you know, perfectly aligned with the NCAA their guidelines, but what, what will work for us at at you know in our, in our league, um, and so that's kind of where we, we went through the summer as building um, building guidelines for return to play. Um, obviously, looking very closely at what the NCAA is putting out, um, and and the conference office just did a really good job of setting us up to get to to where we're at right now. To you know, fingers crossed we're we're playing basketball, we're running track, um, and we're going to have our spring sports because, you know, those kids those kids have really, um, those spring sport kids, having you. you know, look, just think about our baseball kids. They were on a bus on the way to Oklahoma when they got the call that their season was done and had to turn around and come back. So it's just, just a lot of mental things going on. But the task force, you know, I feel like then as the summer went through, then once school has started, um, we have met every week since. March. And so that's, that's a lot of meetings. That's a lot of time um, talking about COVID. Um, but you know this, Matt, just personally, that every day changes. Every day there's something that comes out or, or a rule change. And so having this task force and being able to communicate to all our members through this, this for, task force was key to, to making sure that everybody was on the same page and everybody was getting the same information. So um, so right now we're kind of transitioning now into um, you know, uh, making sure we have return to play and, and when you have contests at your, at your site, what are some MIAA guidelines that um, we would like all of our institutions to follow to make sure that, that you know, we're taking the health of our student athletes first at, at each institution.
0: Well, and I know that within every community, and of course, being around Maryville, we really feel with the Northwest Missouri State fans. There's a lot of disappointment that we don't have fall sports right now, and, um, and it's difficult. And I think a lot of people are upset, and not fully understanding. But I feel like kind of stepping back, looking at it, and looking at the entire country from from Division One to Division Two, II, Division Three, NAIA. It feels like the MiAA really did as much as they could in in did everything they could to try to get athletes back out there. But with what the NCAA was putting out and, again, trying to make students feel safe, it just didn't break quite right for what we're going through right now in the fall. But I don't think it's something you can sit there and say if the MIAA didn't do everything possible to to make this happen throughout this fall just wasn't quite right yet.
1: Correct. You know, Matt, this is the thing that everybody has to to make sure they're aware of, is that all these decisions that are being made, there was no precedent for that. There was no, okay, the last time this happened, this is what we did. And so every decision that's made is not right or wrong. It's just the best decision that that, that group of people could make at that time with the information that they had. And we're finding out as we're going through this that every day something changes. And so we may make a decision this morning... And say, yep, this is what's going to happen. And then this afternoon, something comes out, and and that's not going to work. And so, um, I I try to tell people that all the time that we're not making decisions that are right or wrong. We're making decisions to the to the best of our knowledge right now, and just you know hoping that um, student athlete health is at the formal at the forefront of that, and and making sure that we're doing um, you know following rules and things like that. So. It's just really hard when you don't have uh, anything to lean back on. You know, in college athletics it's, oh, would this happen two years ago, this is what we've done, or something like that. And um, one of, A couple of the words that we use a lot with our task force, and I try to share that with other groups too, is hope and flexibility. You know, right now we got to just hope that everything is going to continue down the road that we want it to, and then we have to be flexible um, when those things change or something doesn't happen like we think it's supposed to happen. Um, we're dealing with them, um, you know, a time where we have coaches that that a um, uh, coach I came in my office one day and he said, Lori, I've, I have coached football for 40 years, and this is never ha- I don't know what to do. And so you know we have coaches that feel that way, and then we have student athletes that um, are in unprecedented times. So it's just managing those things and and, like I said, trying to to make the best decision that day that um, will benefit everybody.
0: It is tough, everything always changing on the fly, which I think puts even more emphasis on we have this MIAA task force going to COVID-19, which we don't really know what's going to happen. You mentioned it changes every day, the different news, what's happening around. So I think that shows it's not a small thing to be the chairperson of this committee. Uh, you have to have a lot of respect around the league to be able to earn that seat. Um, Now, rewind just last week, the MIAA announcing the Community Culture Task Force with Kirsten Orton, also in the Northwest Athletic Department on that, and had a chance to speak with her after she was named to that committee, and she mentioned uh, you kind of setting that example for repping Northwest Missouri State, being a leader here around campus. Um, Really high praise there from Kirsten. Um, Whenever you hear a young up-and-coming administrator say something like that and, and talking so highly of you, What's that feel like from your perspective? Of you're doing good things for Northwest, but really kind of setting up those next leaders as well.
1: Yeah, it's funny that you say that, and I appreciate um, every everything that Kirsten had, had said about me. And and she is is definitely one of those um, people who is um, going does a great job now and is just really willing to learn and, and wants to continue. Um, you know, for the last couple of years with all the changes that we've had going on here and and things happening, um, we wouldn't have survived without her. She was kind of that glue that held us all together and got things done. If you know uh, K.O. is what we call her, if you know her at all and her personality, she is a get things done kind of gal. And so um, we knew that uh, going through, you know, when we had um, people leave and we were hosting a regional and we were down two or three people on staff, she just really picked it up and and took charge. She can really get things done. So, her words mean a lot to me, and it's funny that you say that. We um, just did our um, evaluations for um, our job evaluations here at Northwest, and one of the things that I put on my evalu- evaluation that I would really like to work on is um, that mentoring of of young um, young administrators or coaches, even um, I look back on to where I'm at today, and I know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Patsy Smith at Missouri Western. Who was at Missouri Western, telling me, you know, hey, you can you can do that position. You'll be you'll be great at that. And sometimes that's all you need is just one person um, to tell you that you can do that, and and it uh, kind of snowballs after that.
0: And now here at Northwest Missouri State, you know, you came to Northwest, kind of that basketball background, working with Coach Steinmeier, which we'll get into uh, momentarily, but this year also being named the chairperson for the upcoming year of the NCAA Division 2 women's basketball committee that nomination coming down in april but kind of i guess kind of happening quietly i feel like amid the pandemic but that's a huge role and a huge honor
1: yeah definitely that i am if i have been excited more excited about anything this is this has been um, one of those things um, to to be the national chair for Division Two women's basketball is like a probably a dream come true for me. Um, to be able to be that person to sit at the table for uh, women's basketball, and not only do I get to be part of Division Two women's basketball, but I sit on calls for Division One too, and it's just um, quite an honor for me. And and my, the committee, our national committee, uh, which is made up of um, regional chairs, we have. Seven, other on our, seven others on our committee from different regions, and they're awesome people to work with. And and when we went through the process, uh, Jason Martins from St. Mary's in Texas has been the previous chair for the last four years. And when he went off this year, um, the committee kind of rallied around and they said, hey, Lori, you can do this. We, you got this. And so um, just really excited to, to sit at the table for D2 women's basketball and help make some decisions. And like you said, amidst this whole pandemic and, and what's going on there are so many um things that are changing and and who knows what's going to happen um with basketball uh, as far as like championships and and what that's going to look like and and you know what will regional rankings look like now if teams are not um playing uh only co- they're playing conference only schedules how are we going to do those things so so not only do i get to be the the national chair this year but now i get to be involved in all different kinds of changes that might happen this year so i'm super excited about that i'm excited to represent northwest um at that level and and can't wait to get get going
0: well you mentioned all the the national meetings and going through and all the changes coming up this is beyond just like tournament selection tournament dates and stuff like that i mean this is like knee deep women's basketball everything happening around uh United States Division Two-wise, uh, you're in it, right?
1: Correct. Correct. Um, I, I I just got a. a Calendar invite for a meeting. I'm part of the strategic women's basketball strategic plan um, committee, and so that committee meets once a month and just talks about um, general things, hot hot topics going on in women's basketball at all levels, Division one, two, II, and three. And um, so, really neat to be at the table, just not only at Division two, but just for women's basketball um, overall.
0: So can Austin Meyer put in a good word and kind of help himself out here occasionally with some of this?
1: <laughs> um, sure.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can try. It doesn't hurt, right?
1: <laughs> exactly.
0: Uh, so prior to Northwest Missouri State, you're coaching basketball and volleyball in high schools in Nebraska, then on to Metropolitan State in Denver uh, for a couple years as an assistant basketball coach. How did you end up coming back to Northwest Missouri State?
1: Oh, that's a great story, Matt. So um, I was at um, – at Metro State for two years, and the head coach, my head coach at Metro State, was my head coach in college, and um, he ended up leaving Metro, and he was taking a, a position at Bemidji State. So he said, "Hey, Lori, come to Bemidji State with me." And I said, "That's really close to Canada. I don't think I can go that far." <laughs> um, so my, you know, I was kind of in limbo at that point. I um, I was turning 30 years old. I was recently divorced, and I was living in downtown Denver. And I thought I really. I'd really like to stay here, try to find something. So I was kind of in limbo doing some part-time jobs. I had my teaching degree. I knew I could fall back on that. And I went out recruit. I was still allowed to go out recruiting for Metro until they um, hired their, their new women's coach. And I was out recruiting at the JUCO National Tournament, and Coach Steinmeier was there. And I knew Coach Steinmeier, not well like I do now, but knew um, knew him because when I played in college, he was coaching at Doan, and they were our rival, and they always beat us. And Stein will tell you the story about how he recruited everybody out of Nebraska, but he didn't recruit me. So he <laughs> lies when he says he recruited everybody out of Nebraska. Um, but so I knew of him and um, got to talking with him when we were out, out recruiting at the JUCO tournament, and he said, hey, um, you know, I'm going to have a – GA spot open? Would you be interested in maybe coming and, and working on your master's? And, and, you know, you wouldn't have to stay in Maryville very long. You could just get your master's and move on. And so at that time, I thought, well, this will be a great opportunity to stay in women's basketball, um, work on my master's, and, and, you know, and then I can get out. I I, can't, I flew out, talked to Stein for a little bit, toured the school, and, and went back to Denver and thought, okay, I can do this. Um, when I moved to Maryville, I thought, what was I thinking? I was living in downtown Denver, Colorado, and I moved to Maryville, Missouri. and so I was for sure this was going to be a a one year stint, and I was you know I was moving on and after that first year, um, it ended up i i we weren't his assistant had left, so he didn't hire a full-time assistant. He hired another grad assistant who by the way, is the assistant at Missouri right now. Um, and so her and I kind of tag teamed it for a year. She left and took a job at Illinois State, and Stein hired me that next year as his assistant and then met my husband, and I was downhill. So I've been here for 18 (laughs) years now.
0: (laughs) Who would have thought that back living downtown Denver, going at Metro State, so much going on there that that you'd be in Maryville, Missouri for uh, the foreseeable future. That's that's awesome. (laughs)
1: Yes. And that's what I try, Matt, I really try to tell. I I talk to a lot of recruits um, just compliance-wise or um, when I speak to groups and, and talk about Northwest and, and Maryville. That's one of the stories I always tell because it really says a lot um, about a community. If, if somebody somebody like me comes here and says, you know, this is only going to be a, a one or two year stint and, and you're still here 18 years later, that, I mean, it re- just really says a lot.
0: As you're going through and you're working with Steinmeier, and, and of course, eventually he, he retired, but was there any thought that I'm going to jump ship at Northwest Missouri State or hang on and be the next head coach? Was head coaching ever a thought for your future?
1: You know, head coaching was really, really not something that I was aspiring to, to do. Um, I, after coaching with Stein for so long, I thought, you know, I could really probably be like a director of basketball operations at a Division one. I was more into the, the operational part of the team than the actual um, practicing, coaching, that kind of stuff. And it just so happened that as Stein started um, talking about possible, you know, retirement, um, having those conversations with Dr. Bob, who was our athletic director at the time, um, he approached me um, and said, would you have any interest in being in administration? Because he, we knew that um, the person in my position was getting ready to leave. And it just was like, the, I, you know, when they say the, the things happen at the right time, that was exactly what happened Um you know, Stein ended up coaching for one more year, and I slid over into compliance, and it just, um, it just all worked out. Because I think I've kind of found my niche as far as um, athletics for me. So, um, yeah, coaching with Stein was was, um, was a real treat. Yeah, I I tell people that um, I wouldn't be in the position that I'm in here at Northwest if it wasn't for him giving me a chance. As a, as a 30-year-old divorcee coming to be his grad assistant for a year. So um, I owe it all to Stein for where I'm at today here at Northwest.
0: And Coach Steinmeier, probably a legend at Northwest Missouri State for the wins, but then probably on the other side, the stories he could tell, wasn't it? I mean, I
1: was,
0: <laughs> you sit down with Coach Steinmeier, you're going to get some, some good stuff.
1: You um, you have never experienced anything until you've gone out <laughs> recruiting with Coach Steinmeier. Um, you will find that as he... he Praise on the young coaches because they don't know any better. Um, you'll find that when you go out recruiting, the older coaches know that you can't sit by Gene Steinmeier because you won't watch any games um, because the guy loves to hold court and tell stories. And so um, it was always the joke out recruiting. The, the, our coaches in the league would be like, okay, we're going over here to sit. Gene, you go find your, your newbies to tell the stories to. So, yes, he's a. And you do know that uh, Coach Steinmeier is back into coaching now, correct?
0: Is he? What's where's he at now?
1: Coach Steinmeier is back at Doan College as an assistant for the women's basketball program.
0: No kidding! You can't get away from it, you know. I,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he's pretty excited. He's been out on the road recruiting, and he's back into it. And you know, he's had his his his, his roots there for college basketball, so he's pretty excited. And I'm sure Doan is pretty excited to have uh, him back on their campus.
0: I think spending that time around those teams in Hawaii kind of Get your juices flowing again. You watch so much basketball in a short amount of time that he's probably looking for it.
1: Well, and you know, we, I, I just felt like when, and when Stein left here, retired here from Northwest, I think he was ready to be done here, but I don't, I don't think that his basketball, um, his, he had gotten basketball out of his system yet. So it's good to see that, that somebody like him that still has a lot to give to the game and a lot to give to um, you know, women's basketball is able to get back in and, and still do that.
0: So I got just a few more, and then I'll let you go, Lori. No I problem. Promise. I appreciate you hanging out with him. We were going on 22 minutes. So it's, it's been a while. <laughs> um, I'm winded. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't blame you. It's, it's been a marathon. Yep. So a few quick ones. Um, you were inducted into the Lakeview High School Hall of Fame in Columbus, Nebraska back in 2018. Congratulations on that. Thank you. Of the things that you did there, the accolades, which are you most proud of? And I want this to be kind of a multiple choice. Um, Lettering in volleyball, basketball, and track throughout your career? School record for points in a single game with 38? Or four-year band member? Hmm. Very well-rounded, too. NHS president, I believe, if I read right, also.
1: Correct. Correct. Yeah. Um, I would probably say, um, just because I have a funny story about it. So, so holding the school record for most points in a game for a while was probably... Um, uh, a great accomplishment for me because after the game was over, my dad was so mad at me. And um, I went, I, th- I want to say I think I went 9 for 16 from the free throw line that, that night, and my dad was mad that I could have scored over 40 points. So, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and free throws, come on.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. I, you know, my time at my high school was, was great. I had a great mentor and um, my girls basketball coach there, and he was also our um, track coach. Just an awesome, awesome person, and really gave me the love—the uh, love for basketball. He uh, was a great teacher of the game, and he was—he not only taught the game, but he taught uh, life skills too. And so, um, there wasn't very many athlete, female athletes that left Lakeview that didn't um, consider Bob Blake a, a mentor. And um, just, you know, one of the when I got my first high school job. Uh, uh, as a coach, he was the first person I called to say, okay, I need practice. Can you send me practices? Can you send me game stuff? And, and just a, a real mentor for me um, to start my career.
0: That's huge. You, you love hearing that, too, from the younger coaches, having that older coach, that previous coach to rely on. So yep. that's great. Uh, yep.
1: It just goes to show that in our business of college athletics, that, that mentoring and, and having those, those opportunities are really important.
0: What was your go-to non-work activity during the COVID shutdown?
1: Uh, We bowling with my husband. We got pretty competitive. There was a time, Matt, that I will say that we did not bowl for about three days because someone was maybe mad at the other person.
0: (laughs) So are you saying that you were winning most of these?
1: Yes. And then... um, there was some comments and then I said, well, I'm not playing for three days. So, but we bowling was, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of that.
0: We're going to have to turn around and have a counter podcast with Terry to tell his side.
1: You probably should. Cause I'm sure that like we know there are two sides to every story. <laughs>
0: uh, if the athletic department at Northwest drew up a two on two basketball tournament between coaches and staffs, uh, are you and Kirsten running the table?
1: Oh, wow. um, you know, I haven't touched like a or even remotely came to close to playing a game of basketball. I can't even remember. Probably in my oh, probably in my mid to late twenties. I when I was living back in Nebraska and I was teaching and coaching there. I played on a, a five on five. We had, we got a team together and I still had game then, but I don't know. I mean, KO would have to carry us. I would try to do my part, but...
0: It's like riding a bike. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Except that you don't have any tires anymore because your knees are shot.
0: (laughs) The one thing we do know is that McDonough and Milky would get ran in the first round.
1: Oh, totally. They wouldn't even have a chance. No, (laughs) Not even a chance. That wouldn't even be a competition.
0: (laughs) All right, last one. Your best Coach Steinmeier story or saying...
1: Wow, there are so many of them.
0: And, and keep a PG for the audience. Mm.
1: Well, gosh, now you put me on the spot because there are so many Gene Steinmeier stories. My favorite, and this isn't just a, one particular story, but my favorite thing about Coach Steinmeier and his coaching was that he, he did the best at working officials. And not because he was all over officials, but because he had that way of, you know, that Gene Steinmeier charm with officials. And it never failed for, in in any game, he, if there was a foul call, he would bring the official over and he'd be like, hey, you know, I took a poll here on my bench, and it was 5-4 to that that wasn't a foul. (laughs) So he would make his point, but he would make it in a joking matter. So there were many times that uh, old old Steinmeier would uh, razz the officials but you would you wouldn't think that he was all over him he was just he was telling jokes over there so
0: and so whatever would, would he also be able to soften up the referees whenever you were laying into them oh she's just joking just go on the other side
1: <laughs> you know it was funny i in, in all seriousness though um that was kind of how i learned uh, a coaching style like his his way of of handling the game was um just really unique he and it, I, t- I have many official friends right now too and, and they love officiating gene Steinmeier's games because they knew they weren't going to get yelled at and they knew if they did it was because he was really mad about something but uh, yeah he just he just had a way about uh controlling a game
0: coach steinmeyer he's a gym.
1: he is back definitely. in it
0: too yeah Lori, we appreciate the time. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And again, great work with the MIAA COVID-19 Task Force as the chair for that. And congratulations. Looking forward to this upcoming year as the chairperson of the committee for NCAA Division two Women's Basketball on the national level.
1: Well, thank you. What a, what a time to become a chair of uh, women's basketball amidst all these uh, changes and different times.
0: you got to just dive in and just try to That's steer right. the ship. Make, make my
1: mark, I guess.
0: <laughs> That's right. Thanks, yep. Lori.
1: You bet, Matt. Thank you.
0: Thanks once again to Lori Hopkins for joining us here on Bearcat Rewind. In case you missed it, over the last few weeks, our guests have included Roberto Davis, Rich Wright, Zach Howard, Joseph Barnes, and many, many more, so be sure to check those out. Thank you for listening to Bearcat Rewind. Please subscribe, rate, review, and tell your friends about the podcast. I'm Matt Tritton. We will talk to you again next time.